0: Everybody's doing good. Uh hope that hopefully you've gotten your week off to a great start. Hopefully you are centered and focused and striving to achieve the goals that you have established and set to live the life that you desire to live, the world you desire to have. And if for whatever reason things aren't exactly where you want to be understand that is part of the course that everybody has times and phases and situations and uh, errors in their life where they're in the midst of challenges. Challenge is a developmental phase. It is a preparatory phase. It is absolutely necessary for you to achieve and live with the things that you desire to live in. Do not uh, assume that lay-means, denial, do not assume that the challenges and the frustrations and the obstacles and the setbacks and all of those things that are simply a part, a part of the process are there to disrupt or stop you. They are there to test, to try, to prepare, to follow you. So don't give up. If you're still breathing, you're still in the fight. Well, it's Wealth Building Wednesday, and so we're going to talk about Uh, the importance of reducing your taxes and fees and then investing the difference. We're going to talk primarily about how so much of what we work our minds off are lost in things that we very rarely give any attention to and therefore never strive to manage. And management is the name of the game. Managing what you have, managing losses, Managing risk, managing opportunities. It's, it's the name of the game, whether you're talking wealth, whether you're talking business development, whether you're talking relationship enhancement, whether you're talking uh, starting a business, whatever it is, it is going to start with those things. So look, let me get into this thing before I move. There are three opportunities in the description box. Uh, associated with wealth building, the first one is the Path to Generational Wealth course. That's the 18-month course. That's literally 10 years of my life in research, in development, in interviewing the best of the best to gain enough understanding about this to literally put it in a course, uh, and to adapt it into my and adopt it and adapt to it in my life. Uh, So much of what I learned over those years, I didn't know. I've always been successful, but there was so much that I was missing. And so things are shifting in my life and it's unbelievable. And I want to share that with you. Um, The opportunity to sign up for the course is in the description box. Also, there's the seven day online business lunch course, which is, I believe, one of the quickest and uh, most uh, repeatable ways of launching online businesses, which is a way to create multiple streams of income, which is an absolute necessity in hedging against the loss of primary income. Um, And again, today is the last day. I extended it one more day. So for the remainder of this day, it is significantly reduced in price from $607 to $297. Uh, But that will change after the day I've extended it because I wanted it to extend into Wealth Building Wednesday. And finally, our unleashing the power of AI, of course, everybody needs to be taking that. Everybody needs to be taking that solely because uh, it is predicted by experts uh, like Goldman Sachs and others that uh, AI is going to replace or reshape and reinvent uh, over 300 million jobs. So people are going to be affected. This is globally for the people who come in. There's only 300 million people in America. America, believe it or not, people, America is not the only place on this planet and it's not the only great place to live on this planet. Get get outside of the box because that's where things are happening. When I say a lot of things, I'm talking globally because that's how we're going to start looking at the world. The internet broke down barriers. So much of what's experienced is experienced outside of these barriers. So much of what you can learn exists outside of these barriers. Get outside of the box in every way, shape, form, and fashion in your life. Okay. With that being said, let us get started too. So um, I, bow, I, I go heavy on index funds. I go heavy on uh, low cost uh, investments when it comes to stocks. Now, obviously there's so many other things that can produce revenue. Um, uh, definitely real estate acquisition should be uh, a part of your long-term investment strategy. Uh, regardless of what the market is saying. Obviously, you want to try to find the market when it's best for you to buy, when it's a buyer's market, when prices are plummeting, So it may mean that you're going to function as a crisis investor when the market is really uh, has really tumbled or whatever. And it will happen. It's just a cycle of how things happen. Um, when that happens, that's the best time to buy. But you definitely want acquisition of that. But when we talk talking We talk about index. I talk a lot about Index and primarily because of its compound mechanism it's a compound mechanism it has compound interest it compounds on top of itself plus what you put into it so it's going and the s p 500 is just consistently performing over and over and over and over again yes there are going to be down times and uptimes, but you're playing the long game if you're not playing the long game you need to play the long game do you or do you take opportunities to win in some sort of highly uh, aggressive uh, form of investing, where there's a rapid turnaround. Yes, but always understand normally where there's a rapid turnaround and a significant win, it comes with a significant risk. And so you want to be able to hedge and stabilize those types of activity with a strong, stable uh, investment portfolio that moves across assets and so we talk about this a lot but all this stuff is in the course all this stuff is in that path of generational wealth course i want to talk about the flip side though where most people lose when i talk to some of the uh greatest minds in investment uh investing over the last 10 plus years when i started to decide i wanted to create a course that the average person can take And just by taking it, improve their financial situation through what they would learn. I wanted to create a course that if a person retained and and, and actually applied 20 to 25 percent of what was in the course, their life would change. And that would motivate them to start applying more. I wanted something that created a motivating factor and then a drive and then a reality that pushed a person to go further and further and further. And so I did this. And one of the things that. to, to a man or woman uh, is that they talked about the fact that number one, nobody's taking advantage of compound growth. One of the biggest failures um, in the desire or the quest to grow wealth. Then they talked about this. What we're going to talk about today is the fact that most people don't realize how much of their wealth they give up over the course of their life in taxes, fees, and commissions. Um, What's crazy is in uh, income tax, property tax, sales tax, tax at the pump, and on and on. You got hotel luxury tax and rental luxury tax, rental car luxury tax, and all these different taxes that you will, uh, uh, in some way, uh, be 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 uh, assessed over the course of your life. Fifty-four, if I'm right, yeah, fifty-four point four percent of your income goes to that over the course of your life. So over half of what you're working for, if you don't properly and effectively manage the 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 uh, the cost in this area, then this is what's happening. So what I find is those who are financially astute, one of the first things they're doing is they're looking for ethical and legal ways to reduce the cost of their taxes. And there are a number of different ways. Number one, start businesses, uh, cover those businesses in some form of structure, whether it's a corporate structure, whether it is a a business trust. Uh, I'm real big on business trust. You create a business trust. And in that trust, you you create up your holding company. Under the holding company, you create your LLCs. Under your LLCs, you start to acquire and move things and as you operate under that umbrella as long as things can be expensed what you buy what you expend isn't taxed until it comes out and it lands in your hand as a form of income Oper- operating a business uh i believe it was uh nelson rockefeller who said the goal is to own nothing but control everything that's all he's talking about is using a trust which no person owns but in that trust, controlling everything that is owned and reaping and living in the benefits of it. Major tax benefits are as absolutely hates unincorporated business trusts, also, which are also known as Massachusetts trusts. And obviously, when you create these trusts, when you do this, you need to make sure that your trusts are set up correctly and legally. And we have resources and people that we can turn you on to for that. And then you you sit up and you. You, you operate within the confines of that and you'd be surprised there are so many other ways to manage your uh, your taxes. so you want to reduce that and one of the things that I tell people don't just reduce it and spend it reduce it and invest whatever what, look at what you're spending when you do your assessment get an assessment on how much you spend on on, on average a year per year on average per year in taxes. And then work on ways to reduce that and look at what you're going to spend with the new structure of what you're able to create and then allocate that or a large majority of it to investing in long-term situations, And there shouldn't be any problem with that because it was money you weren't going to have anyway if you hadn't made the changes. Uh, One of the things that you have to be very careful of, what is the number one enemy of debt. I mean, the number one enemy of wealth gave you the answer. Debt. So when you look at someone and they're talking about the net worth of, and everybody's talking about what his net worth is, what his net worth is, what they're saying is, these are all of the assets that this person owns. This is the things of value, whether it's art, whether it's stock, whether it's property, whether it's businesses, whatever. This is what they own. This is how much they own debt. This is what they have that they owe someone else uh, entity person uh whatever this is what they owe this is what's automatically coming out of that and you subtract that from this and you get their net worth their gross assets minus their debt is their net worth okay so then one of the things that you do to grow your net worth is what reduce your debt so in that that means that you have to control your spending one of the ways that we are constantly manipulated is through the push to spend, even when we can't afford to do so. And in the Black community specifically, there's this constant talk about, I remember when it was $1.1 trillion, it's all the way up to now $1.4 trillion, And they keep talking about $1.4 trillion in buying power in the midst of a discussion about wealth. Now, buying power and wealth aren't the same thing. Wealth is the own ownership or the possession of a certain value. And minus the debt, you get the net worth. This is the value. This is your wealth. This is what you own. Buying power is your capacity to purchase. And what most people don't understand is that the average person's capacity to purchase is heavily dependent upon their ability to get credit. So debt. So You live in a country that the economy is driven by debt. It is a debt based economy. The way that they underwrite the value of the dollar and they keep the economy going and they're able to move and do the things they're able to do around the world is driving the American people to spend. And one way that they do that in the more uh, less financially affluent areas is to convince us that we can buy something so they tell us we have 1.4 trillion and we buy into the idea that we're doing better than we actually are when the vast majority of that 1.4 trillion is credit and the ability to buy it's not how much we own that we can go purchase something with and the other part of that is when we spend and use our purchasing power we are rarely spending and purchasing something that appreciates in value or holds value so that now we have an asset that we can hold on to. Yes, you need to take your cash and put it into assets that either grow or hold value because your cash currency does not. And we've talked about that and we'll get into that in other times. The the currency, the U.S. currency is highly volatile and it is tottering and the way that you have to protect your wealth is you have to get into assets that translate into other currencies and other economies to hold and protect your wealth okay and you should be able to hold until everything corrects and i believe that things can correct to a certain extent i'm not going to get too deep into what could possibly happen uh, with all of the geopolitical and everything, all other types of influences that are happening around the world that impact what happens here. I don't want to get too deep in that. I want to talk about specifically managing your taxes, managing fees, managing commissions. Uh, it is in this area because we are co- constantly unaware We go out and we buy stuff. We, how many times have you bought something and never looked at what you paid in taxes? Honestly, sales tax. When you look at it, how many look at the receipt and just look at the total amount you paid? How many of you actually do the math and sit up and say, okay, I paid X amount on the groceries, but I spent this amount in taxes. Now, uh, is there a way to get around sales tax? Not if you want a certain specific thing. Uh, There are some things you can do where you can avoid sales tax depending on where you're buying and you're shipping it from. Sales tax can be waived uh especially with online purchases but what you can do is you can get in situations to where you are operating and moving and purchasing things um and holding things inside structures that aren't going to be as heavily taxed uh and in other words if say for instance um Man, as long as I can think about running a business, run a business, even when I'm running a business in the home office, in a in a commercial office, in the satellite office in Starbucks or or wherever else, Barnes and Nobles, Borders, Books, man, I I mean, it's wherever, it's whatever, but definitely in a home. Okay, so I I have a business. I create a corporation. In that corporation i now operate my business i expense whatever i do for business in that and because i'm running my business in that home a part of what i pay in my mortgage can be expensed and paid through the company and it uh you are now not having to uh pay taxes on the amount that you paid for the business because you're going to expense that you're going to use it as a deduction and i don't want to get too much into it but basically you're operating things you're going to need. You're going to need a car. Well, I need my car to ride my business. I have business meetings to go to. I have trips I need to take. I have all this. So now I can also expense my travel. If I can sit up and tie any place I want to go to, to having to do business while I'm there. Now that trip can be expensed and covered underneath the umbrella of the corporation, the umbrella of the truck, whatever, however you build it and structure it but it's going to cut now the difference between a business trust and a corporation that's still dual taxation in corporations it doesn't happen in a trust again so another way to what reduce tax uh liability and that way reduce the amount of taxes you pay per year and so that's one way another way is in fees there's this uh little joke that goes on in the financial market that when you ask Your financial manager or your stock broker or whoever you have that you're trusting to uh manage your money when you ask them to explain fees uh they charge you a fee for explaining the fees uh and 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 so you've got to be fee conscious um people with 401ks you think it's a set it and set it and leave it and everything is let me explain something to you 17 billion dollars a year comes out of people's 401k's in the US 17 billion dollars in fees that's money you'll never see that you you earned or, or grew in your fi, in your financial portfolio on your side of your 401k and this is consistent and the average person cannot tell you where 10% of those fees Are coming from and what they can do to mitigate uh, the impact of those fees and that's a problem so then what do we do we need to learn what how do you learn you need to read you need to develop a vocabulary to understand terms when you see them you need to be able to understand opportunities when they present themselves one of the problems that we have is we don't understand how things work and when you don't understand how things work the people who do will exploit and manipulate and control you have to have an ability to understand uh, understand how you are being influenced. And this isn't just in the world of finance. This is in the world of academia. This is in the world of business. This is in the world of social engagement. You have to understand the mechanisms. One of the problems we have is that we don't understand how things work. We exploit it. I heard one uh, 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 Bishop Desmond Bismarck. I think he's out of Zimbabwe somewhere, but he talked about uh, the way that uh, the country had these copper mines And they didn't know how to mine and to uh, monetize all this copper. They had these copper mines and the country was struggling, Uh, AIDS epidemic, poverty, people sleep industry, high homeless population. But they had these copper mines, but they didn't know it. So not understanding the game, not understanding how things work. They went out and hired a mining company to come in to mine it and to show them how to run it and the mining company cut a contract and deal with them that they would pay them 75 million dollars for the rights to mine that and they would give them five percent of the revenue now these are your mines on your in your country your sovereign nation and you've gone outside of your sovereign nation And hired a company that came in and understood immediately that you did not have the knowledge to understand what was happening, not just about mining, but about business, about how things flow. So what did they do? They do a contract. We're going to pay you $75 million to mine this country. uh, And then we're going to give you 5% of whatever is mine. Now, here's the thing. They didn't pay them the $75 million up front. They asked for three months to come up with the $75 So So you gave an outside company that has no interest in the welfare of your people access to your mines, work your mines, take your copper, sell your copper, and pay you with the proceeds from your copper and then give you 5%. That's what happens when you don't understand how things work. And it happens to us in the U.S. all the time because we don't understand how things work. We don't want to read. We don't want to learn. We don't want to invest in advancing ourselves. So we sit up and we guess, we wish, we hope, we trust. And 400 years, 246 years of chattel slavery, 1619 to 1865. Then another 158 years of re-injury Re, re remanipulation and everything else that we experience in slavery but in a different way. Convict leasing, black codes, redlining, urban renewal, benign neglect, mass incarceration, miseducation, gentrification. Man, that's been so many forms of serial force displacement. I've got tired of studying and writing about them. And each one of them has a negative impact on us as individuals and as a collective. And we can't do anything about it because we don't understand how things work. Well, I'm, I, I, the reason I created the course is because you can learn. Absolutely, Tenisa. Hello, Tanisa. Oh, man. They got billions, Donica. They're still getting billions off of that copper. Uh, and hello, Tanisa. Hello, Donica. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Look, and this happens all the time. Anytime somebody is giving you something for something you have, your time, your skill set, something you own in property, trust that they're giving you something less than what they have valued it at. Nobody plays more for something than they think it's worth. So when you sit down at your job and you're bragging about them paying you six figures, Trust me, they're making a million off of your skill set because they're leveraging what you have and using their ability to reach the masses and using your skill set to basically quadruple or more what you could do for yourself. But here's the thing. While you may not be able to make that million, you could at least make double what you're being paid. By running your own business, by controlling your destiny. Now, here's the thing. There are people who have actually said, I'll even take a, say, for instance, let's just use six figures because that's this thing everybody dances around, six figures, six figures. Say, I'll take $20,000 less. I'll make 80000 with my own company, control my destiny. And here's the biggest difference that nobody gets. Your $120,000 a year job versus my $80,000 a year business is going to be really huge wins when i and you retire why you retire that hundred and twenty thousand goes to the next person in line and you walk away with whatever you were able to invest in 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 your pension your 401k and any other thing you were smart enough to invest in and i hope you were smart enough i retire and i hand my eighty thousand dollar a year business which i'm pretty sure will have grown to way more than that by the time i actually retire but i give it to what one of my children, or I leave it in a trust for my children. It's owned, it's a part of my worth. That's the difference. And in, in, in nobody's talking or teaching that. Why? Because they need employees to work in these corporations that fund these dreams for these billionaires. This is not about crapping on people for having jobs. This isn't what this is about. This is about understanding how things work. The problem isn't in having the job, it's about do you know how it works? Do or are you getting anywhere close to your value? Is there a way to capitalize on your skill set? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to, you, yeah, Mon, uh, there's Monica. Let me put that up there. Uh, and by the way, this is one of my little sisters, Donica. The other twin is also on here. Look, uh, yeah. So basically what you have is this is depreciation of the currency we're talking about. What the dollar was worth in 1990, it is not worth that now. So $100,000 a year in 1990, nice, $100,000 a year. Now, trust me, you're still trying to stretch it. And so you need roughly somewhere between one hundred dollars and $210,000 to equal what $100,000 would have been worth In 1990. So again, this is understanding how things work. This is understanding uh, how you need to manage and project and build. This is why you don't keep cash in the bank. Why? Because cash in the bank is probably in an, even if it's in an interest bearing account, the interest bearing account isn't outpacing inflation. What does that mean? It's sitting in an account where its actual value is decreasing, even though it's going to grow in number, it's not going to grow in capacity in value. So you want to invest it in something that holds value. Now, obviously, de-liquid- deliquidating uh, assets scares people because you want cash on hand, man. I love deliquidation. Why? Because it keeps you from doing stupid stuff with money uh, or with cash. Um, but again, You have to understand how things work. So this is why I created the course in the first place is because you're going to have to be willing to invest. And the problem is we will spend $2,000 on a Louis Vuitton and we won't spend the same on a course that could literally provide a lifestyle to where it's not even questionable about what you can get if you're willing to put in the time and the work. The other thing that I will tell everybody is Stop looking for the flash in the flash in the pan. Stop looking for the uh, get rich quick scheme. Stop looking for this thing that's going to blow up. Uh, They get us with so much money uh, with lotteries, and and another reason why you see even when we are able to hit the lottery, we tend to seventy. I want to say the number something like seventy-seven to seventy-eight percent of the people who win the lottery end up broke again. Why? Because money is a mindset. Wealth is a mindset having money doesn't it isn't isn't the state of wealth it is a condition uh uh and it can change the wealthy are wealthy whether they have money in the bank or not because they have what created the money in the first place and the, your, your greatest source of wealth is your mind your creativity your imagination your ability uh really hold on Tanisha. i'm gonna answer that to the best of my ability Um, and it and it and it does in a lot of way. A lot of ways. Okay, so but definitely you need to understand that. So the next question is, how does inflation influence the credit system? The credit system is based off of value of what is being the credit is being extended for. It's influenced by the current uh economy, which includes inflation and the value. So what you're going to get when you have a situation where inflation is high, is high interest rates, um, because the risk is greater. And wherever the risk is greater, obviously, you're going to get more interest rates. So several things can uh, affect your interest rate, your credit uh, credit worthiness, uh, your credit score, uh, the value of what's going on, how much are you going to initially invest in something, say, for instance, a car, If you're going to buy a $20,000 car, if I put $1,000 down versus $5,000 down, that's going to affect the interest rate because that's going to impact the risk that the credit uh, the creditor is extending. So that influences. But inflation is basically where you're looking at the cost of something growing. And normally inflation comes from a number of different things. It can come from a lack of uh, a high demand low supply. It can come from uh, geopolitical uh, influences on current uh, currency values, currency competition. Uh, it can come from uh, market manipulation by way of uh, world banks and a number of other different things. But inflation is definitely going to play a role in how much you are able to get credit. And credit is purchased, in case you didn't know. Credit is purchased. What you pay for credit is in interest. So the cost of the loan is what you're always looking at. How much am I paying for this loan? And so in the in the reverse, if you go to a home and you buy a home with a 15-year $15, 15 mortgage or a 30-year mortgage, you are looking at your interest rate and you are looking at it compounded over that 15 or that 30 years, and it's going to tell you the total amount you're going to pay for a home. When you do that, it will probably blow your mind how much more you're paying for that home over what it is worth. That is one of the reasons why it is so easy to sell the paper on home loans because the darn gone return on it is astronomical. And then you hold the possession of the property as leverage because you can easily put lien on it and uh, foreclose on it. And so here's the thing. We talk about Compound growth. Investing in something like an index fund like the S&P, where over time it just grows and it compounds on itself and it compounds on what you put in it and it compounds on the interest that it compounded. It's a beautiful thing. And and I talked about this thing that I did. For those who haven't watched, I'm going to read it again if I can find it. Um, Here it is. Uh, a little over five years ago, I... Um, A little over five years ago, I decided to do an experiment just so that I could bring to you a live, uh, real um, uh, example. So I decided to use the S&P. So what I did is I decided I was only going to because I'm thinking about people who saying I don't have it and I can't get started. And I'm saying you need to get started no matter where you at. Start with what you have. And so I said, okay, I'm going to take five dollars. And I'm going to open up an account and, and and purchase $5 worth of S&P stock. Well, it's not. So there's a small percentage of actually one share, but it's, it's I'm in. $5, I'm in. Okay. And then every week I'm going to put $4.60. And I divided that into an average of what I wanted to put in over four or five years. And so for, four, for for the total of five years, every week I put $4.60 in. Uh, after five years, that was a total of $1,473.28. So, and total invested over that five year period was only $245. That's what the SP 500 can do. Um, and I put that in my youngest daughter's, I, I got that from my youngest daughter and I built that for her. So she's already off and going. Uh, and again, it's in a trust um so i can't tell you enough about trust because trust protect you against yourself trust is the way you project wealth trust is the way that you ensure that your children don't squander the wealth that you built for them oh trust 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 it's the way the wealthy protect and project their wealth uh and so we need to learn about that that's in the course as well but absolutely there has to be uh, an understanding of how things work. And one of the things is we tend to do everything to discredit, disarm those who want to empower, those who want to educate, those who want to provide something. We can find everything wrong with what they're doing, how they're doing it, whatever. And we never, ever go after it. It's easier to dismiss stuff than it is to engage it and take on the responsibility of changing how you think, changing how you move, changing and we hadn't even got into the other things you're talking about fees uh i mean so basically you got 34 percent in um uh, 54 in taxes a total of basically after fees and commissions and everything else roughly 72 percent of your earned income can easily go through t- taxes fees and commissions of operating uh and leaving you with 28 point something percent in spendable income and so how do you how do you do that well number one is you reduce and manage your liabilities one of the things in talking to these heavy hitters is they have four primary uh principles and components that are directly uh four primary principles that every last one in practice number one is uh cost awareness so they are aware of what it's going to cost them in tax fees and commissions to be in any investment where their money is at and what is it costing them they are keenly aware of that and their goal is to always mitigate and minimize that Uh, number two asymmetric risk reward where most people are taught you have to invest a lot to get a little they're looking for places where they get far more than what they invested by investing um it's called asymmetric risk reward another one is they are keenly aware of the need to diversify asset allocation is so huge uh keeping your eggs out of one basket diversifying your assets over i mean diversifying your investments over multiple assets so that you're not industry heavy uh market heavy so all of your hopes aren't in one industry and if that industry goes south Then you're out of luck you want to diversify you want to hedge obviously some industries are going to outpace others and there's a temptation to go heavy in that but the problem is every market is going to experience turbulence every market is going to experience upturns and downturns and that some are going to be extreme you want to hedge. so imagine if you do your research and you do your work it's just simple mathematics you do your research uh, your due diligence. You learn what you need to learn about reading the financials of companies you invest in, reading the uh, uh, business projections of real estate that you purchase in, in an area. What is the plans for that particular area you are buying property in three years from now, four years from now? That's going to tell you whether the property value is going to go up or if it's possibly going to go down. Are they going to put some kind of industrial plan in there that's going to drive the property value down are they building a new hotel that's going to drive the property value up and and so you need to know all these things because that's going to give you a way of projecting so you want to do all of these things and when you do that imagine you've got just say you've got 10 investments and in those 10 investments you have done your due diligence and say three go three three don't go the way you plan the seven that do covers the loss of the three and still provides income. That's mathematically protecting yourself and building a portfolio and learning to go. Uh, This is why I talk so heavily about being careful with your job. Your job is, you know, no matter how much it's paying you, if it is your your, your, your unilateral source of income, it's, it's it. This is, this is it. All you have to do is lose it. I don't care how much you make you should be using what you're getting to build something different and one of the things that i had to practice i had to learn and what i taught and what i continue to teach is your value isn't in what's your bank it isn't simply what's in your bank account your value is in what you're building and what you can project out in the future we have an aversion to sacrifice we have a version to putting into something that we can't get immediate gratification to, so we get took a lot by those who do have the plan, those who do understand how things work. We get took a lot because they show something flashy and they tell you, "Get this, you're gonna have this," and we go out and buy it. You know, uh, speaking to the, the 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 black enigma in finance we are at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder that is a 150,000 median 50,000 median household wealth gap they have a wealth uh median household wealth of something around 177,000 talking about uh whites who have the majority of the wealth in this country we we're talking about 177,000 in median household wealth we're talking about black 17,000 and dropping and then we talk about the fact that even with that blacks out By whites with mercedes-benz and other luxury vehicles two to one matter of fact the average millionaire in america is white and the average millionaire drives a toyota matter of fact in the top 10 cars driven by people with a net worth of a million dollars or more only one luxury vehicle even breaks the top 10 and that's a lexus so and it even it is it isn't even the biggest lexus it's the yes and then you get into the second 10 and you start to see the BMW pop up and the Benz is there. But the fir- the top 10, they understand money. They understand value. They understand depreciation. And when they do go out and buy something like that, nine times out of 10, they lease it because they understand depreciation. If I pay cash for it, even I'm still upside down in this car for the next three or four or five years until what I have put into it comes back and levels out. And that's not how they think. So they'll lease it because I'm going to use it I'm to, and it's an expense. And most of the times they will expense it through whatever business entities, whatever they have. And, 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 and so it, it has a minor impact. What we've got to understand is not only are we out buying them. Two to one with, with luxury vehicles. Also, we're going to spend blacks are going to spend 2.4, 2.5 billion dollars on Jordans. This year not only that between october 31st well the the last week of october preparing for uh halloween through december 24th the day before christmas we're going to spend approximately 543 billion and yet we are in last place we're going to spend 40 something billion for Halloween, 50 something billion for uh, Thanksgiving and a whopping 400 and something billion for Christmas. We love the symbols of success and we haven't learned how to actually create it. And so we live with powerlessness and we like to have the symbols of the symbols of power. We live a large part of our life to symbolism. That's why we're so concerned with what we wear. That's why we're so concerned with what we drive, because it represents the symbol of what we don't have. And the way you have it is you build it. The way you have it, yes, Black people, I'm talking specifically about Black people in that, Danica. The the way that you have it is you build it. You learn what the people who are winning do, and you emulate the behavior. And what's amazing is the vast majority of mechanisms that we talk about aren't going to be heavily impacted by race nobody asked me when i did that little uh experiment nobody asked me when i bought uh share in uh s p or in nike or in Mm -hmm. apple anything that i use that i have to pay money for and it, it it's a successful company i got stock in it why I've got to hedge some of what I'm doing. i got to get back some. That's reducing the total cost of what it costs me. I'm getting some of that back in dividends and in growth. Put it in a trust which uh, minimizes what how easy it is to liquidate it and let it grow because one day you're not going to be here and hopefully you're building it for the future. And one day you may not be in a situation where you can work. Where you can get up and you can actually produce something through your labor through your mind through your activity you need to have created mechanisms that's going to be there this is what wealth is wealth is the ability to live the lifestyle that you desire without having to be present and produce anything it's the ability to take what you have earned turn it into money making mechanisms where your money makes money and pays for your lifestyle when you reach that point so in other words there's no exact number to say i'm wealthy uh, because a person who just wants to live in a an average 2,000 square foot home, travel periodically, you know, go to a couple of sporting events and concerts, their, it, it, the ability to create a portfolio that pays for that is going to be different than the person that wants the private jet, the island, and all that other stuff. Both of them have a right to have that if they work for it and they produce it, but it's going to be two different numbers. But the thing is, you should know your number. I talked about the other day, you should know the cost of your dream and you should be building your dream. You should be working on it step by step. The thing is we, and here's the last thing I'm gonna say because I'm moving up almost on a darn hour. I definitely didn't plan on doing this, but here's the thing and I'm done. There's a time to be there for your kids. I don't believe in pushing kids out of the house at 18 and 19. I don't believe in charging kids rent at 18 and 19. I believe in being able to underwrite them for their for I believe in teaching them to aspire to do something great and then being able to underwrite that. So you need to have the ability to fund their dream. Because here's what's happening on the other side. On the other side, they get out of school, they come back home until they're ready to get married, until they're ready to move, and then they get fifty thousand and a hundred thousand dollars to see the buying of the home. The parent pays for the wedding, all of these things. And so they are already ahead of our children in this race, way in in this wealth race. And who has the wealth has the power, he who has the gold makes the rules. So we've got a lot to learn. Uh, I mean, hey, Randy, man, uh, seen you in a while. Look, uh, believe it or not. For people who are just getting started, you got Cash App. It's the quickest and easiest way to buy. It keeps up with it, gives you all the reports and everything else. But uh, Robin Hood is good. Um, what? what? Um, I haven't really checked out WeBull. I did one the other day, and I'm pretty sure I have it pulled up uh, somewhere around here. But, uh, man, I've got so much stuff pulled up around here, but I... But uh, yeah, but um, Robin Hood, there's another one that I'm not thinking of, but definitely Robin Hood is good. Uh, oh, man, I wish I could. I don't know why they're not coming to me. It's probably because I need to get off. I got a client in two minutes. But <laughs> um, I will come back on the platform, Randy, and I will put it in the comment section, the top five, because I've got it pulled up somewhere. I keep it up because uh, people are always asking. It's just not coming to me right now. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Cash App is, uh, Cash App, man, it, it's simple, it's easy. Obviously, the bigger you get, you're going to need uh, a better platform. But to get started and to learn how things work, uh, it works. Um, and actually, that that experiment I did uh, for my daughter, where I took the uh, $5, I did that through Cash App. So, and then uh, set it up and everything else. But anyway, again that's what we got to do so again if you look in the description box uh if you're serious about the course you can take the course um uh you can sign up for the course you can pay through pay or you can pay through installments or you can pay in full uh, however you want to but whatever you do enroll uh and if you don't have multiple streams of income you definitely need to check out that seven day online business launch course on that note i got to get out of here and get on for this client Uh, But I want to thank all you guys for stopping in and participating. It's wonderful. You guys need to reach out. It was good seeing you drop in again to this. I haven't talked to you in a while Uh, to both of my younger sisters, Monica and Donica. Thank you guys for dropping in. And Randy Johnson, man, it's good to see your name pop up. I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, Take care. And I am out of here.